What is paper cut? Uh, I want to like make paper cut make sense. Paper is like like across like artists and like there's like tickets are made of paper and paper that you make art with is made of paper and all industry things like paper is like a, a commonality across art forms yeah. sort of and then paper cut it's like cutting like you're getting below the surface like you're below skin level okay so the paper is a metaphor for the guests that we'll have on and we'll talk with each week we're the paper we're the paper yeah i like that mondays are like a paper cut and we're making it better by cutting deep with artists, performers, media, promoters, venues around Winnipeg. Listen to Papercut Podcast every Monday morning with your hosts, Jared Goche and Olivia Michaelchuk. We'll make your Mondays less like a paper cut by getting deeper with local artists. Ooh, I like that. I can't remember what I said. Welcome to Papercut Podcast. I am. Jared Goche. I'm Olivia Michaelchuk, and we're here with Jody Dunlop. So we would like to start off with who you are, what you're about. Start with your resume, perhaps. My resume. Um, I am Jody. I'm a drummer and an artist, and I work at the Icelandic newspaper. And pretty much that's it. <laughs> that's not pretty much. Cat that sounds mom, like a lot. Two cats. Cat no. mom. Okay, mom. What are your cat's names? Um, my oldest, she's four and a half. Her name's Peanut, and then she has a little sister, and she's four months old, and she is named Franny Marbles. Franny Marbles? Yeah. <laughs> is it, like, hyphenated? No, it's not hyphenated. We named her Fran first, and then we are trying to think of a cute middle name that would go with it, and so with Marbles. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. So, how did you get started in music? I know that's a broad question, but is, is there something that you really enjoyed like you, that you can trace back to that very first moment um i think to be 100 percent honest i was about eight years old and i was obsessed with the hansen brothers i'm sure you guys know them oh yeah yeah um <laughs> specifically zach hansen the drummer the eight-year-old drummer okay and so i would like go on my dad's email and like, email him every day about like how much i loved his drumming and how cool i thought he was and then one day i kind of realized that i wanted to play drums too and so I asked Santa for them and then I got them for Christmas and then played along to Zach Hansen middle of nowhere record for so long and then kind of kept going and then eventually did jazz band and all of that stuff in school and then made a punk band and then yeah so so your primary influence is Zach Hansen it is yeah yeah I can say that like my preliminary influence yeah yeah Yeah. the root of it all the root yeah Yeah, yeah so uh you said you were in a punk band first. How did that come about? <laughs> well, um, it's kind of interesting because I'm from like a small town called Gimli. You guys, I'm sure you know Gimli. Yep. Um, I somehow ended up being really into like the Sex Pistols and the Clash and the Buzzcocks and the Vibrators and all of these things. And then, well, all of these amazing punk bands. And then I started a band with my sister and my best friend and another girl. And we were trying to come up with a name for our band. It's kind of hilarious, and I'm kind of like embarrassed to say it because it's just kind of weird, but we were called the Pap Smears. Right, I've heard yeah. of the Pap Smears. It yeah. was a bit of a leading question I wanted yeah, to Yeah, so it was before we kind of knew what that was, and I don't even know where it came from, and then one day we are just like, let's call ourselves this. Didn't think that we would keep it, and eventually, you know, we had like 
we played a bunch of shows and then made our first album with the pap smears on the front and then down the line we shortened it to just the paps but yeah. <laughs> nice nice so yeah. you're from Gimli in a punk band was punk big out there was the was the music scene in general big out there okay I didn't know this at the time but I think I'm pretty sure I was like a freak like I was always having like this big black hair and like I had like tight pants with like, these leopard stockings underneath and I just thought like I don't know, like, that's what my heroes looked like, that's what Johnny Thunders looked like, that's what Sid Vicious looked like, and so, I, I wouldn't say the punk scene, the punk scene, there isn't one in Gimli kind of thing, but, um, music was always really, really, really big, and the arts were always really, really big in Gimli too, so, yeah. Interesting. So, uh, you were mentioning, I want to get into, uh, your, your work as an artist as well, but you were mentioning the Icelandic newspaper, did yeah. you... You're obviously Icelandic. Yeah. Uh, from Gimli. How did you get started in there? Um, well, I when I was finishing high school, I worked at um, the museum called the New Iceland Heritage Museum. And so I worked there. I designed like an audio tour and did a lot of their um, promotional materials and stuff like that. And then um, when I moved to the city, I was kind of going starting university and um, the lady who I worked for at the museum had mentioned to me that they need some help with the newspaper and so I kind of just went in and took over like I was like the assistant so I helped with pretty much everything they needed help with and that was like six years ago so I've been there for a while now and it's great I yeah I really like it so what kind of content do you cover in the Icelandic what kind newspaper? of content okay that's actually a great question um we cover we cover a lot of interesting things like a lot of it's community-based so that if there's like an event that like, we have a Thoroblot, which is, like, a yearly kind of dinner party that um, you, that happens in the Icelandic communities all over North America. So we cover their parties. Our readership is quite old, so it'll be a lot of, like, like looking back on history, genealogy. Um, like, arts and culture is very small, but when it is, like, the Icelandic people are super proud of all of that kind of stuff. So, like, the New Music Festival right now, we've got a few Icelandic composers out here for that. So, like, the newspaper is, like, heavily into that right now so it's kind of like just everything Icelandic from like the like the super small like Jean turned 96 and we celebrated her birthday party here to like <laughs> this like Bjork's keyboard players in town playing with the symphony so yeah interesting yeah so you said the readership's kind of old or do you try and do things to to get young Icelanders is it Icelanders yeah yeah we do it's tough like like I'm sure you know, especially like when we've got our readership right now, where it's a very small readership of about three thousand, and even making like we're nonprofit, even having enough subscribers to cover the cost of print, like creating things in print, and then also our readership is quite old, like they're 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 dying off, so they don't really know how to use the internet, so it's kind of like we're struggling between. Trying to like make things digital and appeal to young people, but also keeping our core subscribers happy. Why am I talking about this right now? <laughs> keeping no, our core great. subscribers happy, no, which is like the older people, and like, the older people are awesome. And they're filled with history and and knowledge. And like every time I meet one of them, you learn so much from them. But yeah, it's 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 definitely hard to find a balance between keeping like the old people happy and trying to appeal to new people. Because like, do you guys remember when the last time you paid to subscribe to a newspaper was? I had to because I uh, needed a free press article for a source. That's so what I, I was going to say. The free press. <laughs> they're going to hook you I paid my in. 10 cents and yeah. I got my article. But you didn't subscribe for the year though, did you? No. You just no. paid for that individual article? Yeah, I yeah. paid my 10 cents for it. Yeah. You paid your dues literally. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm giving the 10 cents and nothing more. Yeah. Yeah. So, 
shifting now to some of your your art, uh, your visual artist. I'm assuming mm-hmm. is that you have you have a lot of different creative outlets. But would you say is like your your kind of break away from you know the madness kind of like I need to relax kind of art is is that your your visual art? You know what? That's funny that you say that because that is 100% what it is for me. Like being in a band, it's it's something that's always been easy for me. I've always been able to be a part of a team and, you know, work in a group and do all that kind of stuff. But working alone kind of scares me more than like being a part of a group. And so for me, my art is definitely a place where like when I'm creating and when I'm painting, it's a, it's all me and I'm alone and well, or with my cats, like just listening to podcasts and music and stuff. And so, yeah, it's totally different though. It's like, they're both creative outlets, but one's like being in front of people all the time, having to talk to people all the time, doing all of that kind of stuff. And then the other one's being completely alone. And like when you put up a piece of your work and someone asks you about it, you can't, it's not, you're not saying like, we thought of this or we did that. It's like, I specifically made this and this is why kind of thing so it's super different awesome do you exhibit your art anywhere or do you put it on showcase um i'm kind of i went to art school and i got my bfa but i'm kind of a little bit new to the art world like i i have had art shows and stuff in the past but lately i've kind of just been making my art for me and working in that way like one day I hope to share it and I hope to have a show and stuff but right now I'm just kind of like music's my main focus but art's kind of more of like an outlet for myself. Is the music that you listen to while you're creating art different than the music that influences your music making? That's a really good question. Thank you. And yes. I should start a podcast. You should. The question. Yeah no it's awesome. I I listen to a lot of like jazz and world music and things that set more of a mood and more of like um like like when you listen to a lot of the time when you listen to music without lyrics you can kind of like create your own world whereas when you're listening to like Elliot Smith like you're sad or something even though that kind of like music without lyrics can influence your mood and stuff like that I feel like when you're listening like like when you're creating art you're creating your own thing and your own message and all of this. And when you listen to music with lyrics, you're kind of in someone else's space, in someone else's world, and that's cool. Some people can work that way, but for me, like, sometimes I even, like, put on a little, like, outfit, you know? Like, if I'm <laughs> listening to jazz, I'm like, hell yeah, I'm putting on my grandma's jewelry and painting my grandma today. Like, it's, yeah, kind of about just, like, setting up an environment while you make something, I guess. So the new mise-en-scene album, Still yeah. Life on Fire. Yeah. Uh, I listen to that while I make art. I feel oh. like it's a nice combination of music and sound and mood setting yeah. while still having a lot of lyrical influence as well. Was that any, was that premeditated? Was that something that you guys were thinking of while you were creating the album? Um, I guess when... Steph and I were in Banff when we were working on that, and for her, because she's the one writing the lyrics, um, she was really kind of exploring something that I think we're all going through in a way, and it was kind of the balance between, like, the internet and the real world and just relationships and kind of whether they're real or fake and all this kind of stuff. So, like, I would say that she really tried to make an art piece with the lyrics that she was writing. Like, she tried to make a cohesive 
story throughout the whole thing. Our next approach might not be that way, but for this one, I can like I can say that Still Life on Fire was definitely Steph's like exploration of the world through lyrics, and we kind of were going through a lot of the same stuff, so it was easy to kind of build the music around her thoughts. For sure. I also want to keep talking about mise en scene. Yeah. So. Uh, I did have a great question. Do you have any questions about mise-en-scene as yes. I'm trying to remember mine? Go I'll ahead. I'll hopefully jog your memory with yeah, my question about mise-en-scene. Uh, so you guys tour extensively. Like, you guys have gone all through Europe and yeah. stuff. How, how, do you, how do you think it is bringing a new album through a new city that you maybe haven't been to? Like, is it, has the reception been great? Do you, like, what, it, what is the, the style down there? Um... I find it really exciting because when you, oftentimes, especially when you're playing like shows that aren't festivals, usually when it's a festival, people will listen to you a bit and figure out what you're all about. But then when you end up in Europe, and like we went on this great tour with this band called Brancho, and they had great crowds, but we were opening, so no one knew who we were. So I think when you bring a new record overseas, people don't really know your music until they see it live for the first time. So for us, it was always... It was always just nice to kind of show people our music for the first time without them having any any thoughts about like, you know, oh, you used to be a two-piece. Oh, your first record was about this. It was kind of just like, you know, you're a great live band. Can we buy your album? Or like, this is what we liked about you. There was no like, kind of, you know what I mean? <laughs> mm-hmm. oh. I remember my question now. Yeah. Uh, it was related to songwriting. Yeah. So all of the lyrics are mostly Steph, or do you have any influence on that? Um, you know what? Steph's an amazing poet, and she's... For someone like her, her lyrics have to be her own. You know, like when she's singing them, she's so attached to what she's saying, and I, I would never take that from her. I feel like... There's always room to like make suggestions or like or like if we're jamming and there's like this is in the past we've done things where like can this song be about this or can this go this way but for the whole last record yeah she wrote she wrote all the lyrics yeah but it's a good question though because I, I often wonder like if bands how, how that would work like singing someone else's words you know yeah totally but. I want to talk a little bit about the mise-en-scene image mm-hmm. because I feel like uh, on stage it's a very cohesive look at times and it it at all times uh, and it was uh, a little bit different in the past than it is now is that an evolution of uh, you and Steph or a changing of the roster what influences your style on stage um I think honestly in the past we just we just love to wear glitter, and when you're touring and playing in a different city every single night, it sucks carrying a huge suitcase of clothes, and you have to, like, choose all of your outfits out of it, so we just found, like, a great piece each, or two each, and, like, that would be our stage wear every night, so with, with that record, it was pretty easy to come up with, like, something that we could wear, because we're not the type of band who will try to, well, like, I'm not the type of person who would try to make someone change or nitpick someone into, like, looking like this perfect person on stage. But at the same time, you don't want to look like you just rolled out of bed in your sweatpants. Like, some bands pull that off, but <laughs> I feel like with us, we need a little bit more than that. So I think we're always conscious of what we wear on stage and how we want to present ourselves, but we never want to make that something that really... I guess what I'm trying to say is we never want to be a band where it's like, I want to listen to them because they look cool. I want it to be like, 
I like them because of their music and also you know what their outfits are great like that's the afterthought kind of thing so totally yeah so I'm gonna take my shot to go back at Hanson because I yes. really enjoy Hanson okay great um, <laughs> so you're this. saying he he was your influence in in drumming style does mise en scene or do you specifically have a style kind of inspiration like a, a band or an artist specifically that you guys like to model yourselves after Okay, I have to say something about Hanson quick, is he was not my drummer influence. Like, I was never like, oh, Zach's an amazing drummer, I need to be just like him. I was like, I'm in love with you, kind of thing. (laughs) And I saw Hanson last year at South by Southwest, and they are more amazing than ever. Like, they are, like, blues now. They're awesome. And it was funny, because even, like, I was with the band that I went to with, Brancho. This is how how we saw them. They're from Oklahoma, and so we went to the Oklahoma tent, and they were opening for Hanson. Oh, wow. Yeah, so that was pretty cool, but... Um, As for influences, I think what makes mise-en-scene unique is that we all have such different influences. Like, um, I love, like, Deer Hunter is one of my favorite bands. I come from, like, a punk background. I love jazz music. Steph loves Leonard Cohen. Cohen, sorry, Cohen. Cohen. She loves Leonard Cohen. She loves Fleetwood Mac. She loves Rye. Like, she's very into, like, you know, like, singer-songwriter and also poetry and all that kind of stuff and then Corey's all over the map like which is amazing and then Dave's got his things too so I think what makes us kind of us is just like that kind of mixture of all these different weird genres do you find it ever clashes or is it just you pulling the best from each kind of corner we've never had a clash surprisingly I don't know how that hasn't happened but yeah it hasn't happened yet but yeah, I think it's because if, like, if I'm playing something that's a little bit too heavy or weird, it's kind of like, oh, can, like, I'm going to play this, can you chill a little bit, and we just listen to each other, and of course I can, you know, it's not, it's never like a, I refuse to change, it's always kind of like, we always want to make room for each other, we never want to take too much of the air, air time. <laughs> I, I might have been eavesdropping on a conversation yeah. that I've <laughs> of yours at some point, uh, or maybe I've heard it along the way, about people who talk to you about drumming Yeah. that are at your shows. And I'm sure there's lots of positives mm-hmm. and lots of negatives. What, what parts of those do you listen to? What critiques are the ones that you take to heart and actually use? Um, or compliments, compliments or critiques? Yeah, I, I actually learned about this in art school kind of was like, when you create, and this is like, I kind of developed my thick skin that I use every single day in the music industry from art school. And that's if you create something that you really believe in and you love and someone says something about it, you listen to it. And if it hurts, you usually kind of agree with it. And if it doesn't hurt, you can kind of write it off and be like, interesting that you think that. And that's cool that you said that. But like, no, like, I don't agree with it. So same kind of comes with drumming. Like if someone says to me, like, you know what, um, you're playing with sloppy at this part or you don't hit hard enough at this part and like at the practice prior I was consciously trying to play lighter to create more of a dynamic I'd be kind of like like thanks for saying that but that's my choice and Mm -hmm. so I'm comfortable in my art same way I'm comfortable in my drumming is I know my capabilities I know what I'm playing I know I'm not perfect I know I'm not some kind of amazing techie drummer but I'm totally fine with my abilities and if someone wants to try to I don't know, critique them, I guess. Either I'll listen and it's, like, good advice for me or, like, I'll just brush it off. 
<laughs> I know a couple of local drummers, and they they seem to talk like quite a bit, like quite extensively. Is the drumming community a pretty tight knit one in Winnipeg? <laughs> like, do you guys try and help each other out? Yeah, I started a Facebook group called Drums. Really, just, like, straight up drums. Yeah, and so. <laughs> There's a lot of drummers in there, and every time I go, it's so weird, like every time I play with another band, I always just immediately can talk to the drummer, and yeah, the Winnipeg drumming community is amazing. That's awesome. Yeah. I want to talk to you a bit about, this is this may be off a little bit, but on stage you generally don't have a microphone. Yeah. So I want to know what you think about, since you're not the one that is talking, Steph, mm. what do you think about stage banter and how <laughs> band members communicate with the audience and with each other through the microphone? That's another interesting question. Because um, I feel like you've, you're an observer even in your own band. Yeah. And I've kind of chosen that role for myself, I guess. Um, I feel like... The people who speak in my band, they've never really done anything that's... Like, I, I trust them, I guess, because when... Just as, like, when you're out in public, if you're one if you're one person of the band, you're kind of representing the whole band when you speak. Um, yeah, they've never done anything that's really in, embarrassed me at all. <laughs> but I guess the question's more so, like, how do I feel about stage banter? It doesn't have to be your band in particular, and I was not critiquing... No, just in general. Oh, no, no, banter. I know. Um, Great. <laughs> I'm not a fan of it, <laughs> most, for the most part. That's what I'll say, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You just want to get on to the next song and keep, yeah. it, keep the flow going? Yeah, I like, um, well, just like even the other day, like, were you guys, did you see the Dan Romano show at all? No, I did not. <sighs> just like I saw your status about it, and I was like... I deleted my status, so it was only up briefly, but it was <laughs> one of the best shows I've ever seen, and a lot of it was just like in between songs creating a vibe and a mood musically and then going into the next one and I don't think there are, there's a time and a place for it and like coming from like a punk background I know that some bands really go for that especially when it's a folk singer-songwriter like it's nice to know what the song's about but yeah we're trying to we're trying to like move a bit more away from that and if if other people are into it and and you know like what they're saying is clever or funny or something that's fine but I feel like sometimes trying to fill the air, people can say some pretty silly stuff. <laughs> the, the way that you guys play here as opposed to on tour in somewhere in a small uh, town in Europe, is it, does it change at all or do you still try and deliver that same look, same sound every time? Um, I guess we would try to deliver the same thing every single time, but based on how we're feeling, it might change. Like, there is this really t- small farm town that we went to called Haldern in Germany, and we pulled up and literally we were staying at a farm that had a bunch of deers and stuff. So naturally we went to the pub where we were playing at, and it was a super, like, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Intimate setting. And so we would talk to certain people specifically and stuff like that. Like, when we're playing a small pub, we're not going to pretend we're playing a stadium, you know? So we do change depending on the venue, but also we don't... Um, yeah, we're not too, too, um, yeah. I don't, I don't like when people are like fake. They're like, hello everybody, Elder, and it's like four people. Yeah. Like, uh, hi. <laughs> yeah. are like, Jim, yeah. thank you for clapping. <laughs> yeah, I really appreciate that. Yeah. 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 Um, so I, we'll, we'll start to wrap it up. Yeah. Um, I would like, I've got one more question. Do you have another question after? 
I might, yeah, go for it. Okay, maybe this may get the yeah. creative We're juices flowing. We're working on our dynamic as well, yeah, right? Yeah. I like We're your little, dynamic, it's great. We get a little bit all over the place, but we always end up back in like the same kind of space. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's, it's working so far. Yeah. I'd like to know, I'd like to learn an Icelandic word. Okay. What would be what would be the, the Icelandic, Icelandic word? <laughs> okay, I'll tell you an Icelandic word that I like just because I think it sounds beautiful and you can use it anywhere. So it's Godunot and that's good night. Really? Okay. Great way to end the show. Godunot. Godunot. How do you spell that? Oh wait, there's like a not? weird. I'm pretty sure there's like a weird D with a thing through it. Godunot. Oh, oh. Or Elskin. That's how you say dear. Um, my mom always said, like, a really, like, she was swearing. Uh, I'm trying to think of Oh, yeah, things. Icelandic swears yeah, you for know, the I'm children. Not, yeah. I'm not super well versed in that. Um, <laughs> hmm. Yeah, I think that's... I'll tell you the name of my newspaper since we have some promo here. There oh, that go. was great. I was just... Lurgberg Hengskringla. Oh. Yeah. And how, what does that mean? Um, I, I don't know specifically, but I think... Logberg, it's like day of the news and like news of the world or something like that. Okay, it Bam. just rolls off the tongue. Too. Yeah, yeah. There we go. Yeah. Okay, so we're gonna we're oh, gonna Ruscat. wrap it. Ruscat. That's what I was thinking. I think that means asshole. <laughs> Ruscat means oh, asshole. Okay, great. that's easy. Yeah, that's easy. Yeah, and like the person you say that to, guaranteed is probably not gonna know. Actually, people in Iceland call their babies that sometimes. <gasps> yeah. Really? Yeah, it's like a term of endearment, and it means asshole. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Like tough love. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so. Asshole. Yeah, sorry. We're uh, we're gonna wrap up the podcast there. Yeah, um, sure. Is there anything that you'd like to yeah. say? Yeah, I think I think we're good. I think we've covered it. Thank you for having me. Yeah, no problem <laughs> at all. For coming. Yeah. And uh, and sorry, what was the the word for good night again? Rescat. No, just kidding. <laughs> Golden notes. <laughs> okay. Yeah.